This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us here on Real Presence Live. It's just awesome. It's just awesome. We God has been so good to us. He continues to be so good to us. And we are still soaking in those Christmas graces here on this last day of Christmas, the baptism of the Lord. Oh, we are. And you know, Brad, it's just such a gift uh, to have Real Presence Radio. Yes, yeah. Our faith is so amazing. Oh. And our journey on earth, we need to be constantly learning and growing. Mm-hmm. And that's every day I'm with you on Real Presence Radio. I learn more. Hopefully yeah, our listeners learn more. And and just the joy and gift that our faith is. It's really beautiful. It's funny. Now, the, the phrase, like, like what a gift. I, I did Bible in a year with Father Mike uh, a few years ago, a couple, two years ago. And he says that all the time. It's like, I, yeah. can't, I can't not think of Father Mike uh, whenever I hear that term, like, this is just a gift, but it's it's a great, it really is a gift. I mean, God is constantly pouring out himself and his love and his grace and his mercy on all of us. And it is, it, our task is to receive that gift, right? And, and the incredible beauty is, you know, Epiphany yesterday, you know, we as Catholics need to understand that God is constantly seeking us. You know, mm-hmm. we are given so many opportunities, but it's through His grace, it's through Him seeking us. It's mm. nothing that we can really do on our own, right? Amen, sister. But, uh, wow. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the other gifts that God has given us is this opportunity now to have a conversation with Father James Ermer of the Diocese of Fargo. Good morning to you, Father. Good morning. Thanks for being with us this morning. You're welcome. I know, Father, that you've been on uh, Real Presence before, but for those who haven't uh, heard you before, can you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a native of Wahala, North Dakota, born and raised called the Valley of the Gods. That's oh. where the Viking warriors went when they died. So I uh, come from a good holy okay, place. Okay, excellent. Well, hopefully our <laughs> Viking warriors don't die next Sunday. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I was, uh, I'm presently pastor at St. Leo's in Castleton and St. Thomas in Buffalo, North Dakota. So, Excellent. And you have... How long have you been ordained now, Father? In July, I'll be 44 years. 44 years. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your priesthood. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I was going to say, you, you've, you've been involved in so many things throughout the diocese over your priesthood. You continue to help out um, in, in a variety of ways. You help us at the Marriage and Family Life Office, especially with the, the couples preparing for marriage that are kind of in unique situations where they're entering into a second marriage, bringing kids into the marriage. Uh, they're older than usual, you know, different scenarios that are not just kind of your normal cookie cutter young couple coming to, to get married. And you do such a phenomenal job. And you you have such a heart for challenging people to authentically loving God. And I just, I'm, I'm really inspired by your priesthood and, and the way that you give of yourself. So thank you. Thank you. That. Yeah. Well, Father, we're just really grateful that you're joining us because you're going to talk about the spiritual significance of the baptism of the Lord. And that is, it's so important, not just the spiritual significance of the baptism of Christ, but then also what we're called Mm -hmm. as baptized people through, through that grace. So tell us about the baptism of the Lord. That's a broad question. I know, right? <laughs> we got time. We got time. Yeah. Got a lot of different directions to yeah. go with that. Well, I'm always intrigued by uh, this uh, particular feast day in the life of the church is because a lot of times when you ask young kids, uh, and I do a lot of religious education kind of, uh, why do we get baptized? And they say, well, because Jesus did that. And I'm thinking, uh, well, that's true, but there's a deeper story there. you know. And right. the, I think there's a lot of points in this uh, Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, but if you got to start with, 
why is Jesus there? I mean, in yeah. our sense, he doesn't need to be baptized. Right. He's right. sinless. Uh, and we always, at least in this culture and time and age we live in, we think about it, okay, that's baptism is erasing original sin and, you know, becoming a a special a creation in, or a new Christ in, in the world. And you say, okay, well, why is he there? And I think sometimes when I do a homily this, I, I always ask people to begin with, well, you go to a lot of baptisms. Have you ever seen a dove come down and heavens open up and a voice speak? And most people say no. <laughs> and I think those biblical stories that we read on those feast days are telling us this is this is a theological story, mm-hmm. and that's why they don't relate in that same kind of way. So you got to look deeper. You got to get yourself a little rich, rich, more richly endowed, endowed into that story mm. or embedded into that story. And so the question is, why is Jesus there? You know, in the sense that. Uh, um, he doesn't need to be. He's sinless if he's the son of God. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I like to read a lot of different commentaries on that. And, and over the course of church history, it certainly has been. But the one I kind of always like the best is that he needs to be there. And he needs to go into that water. Mm-hmm. Because what his mission is in life is to redeem the human race and uh, take sin and death to the cross and crucify. Mm-hmm. So it's in the images as he steps into the water, not that he needs to be there, but someone will obviously salvation happens by solidarity. Mm-hmm. Not segregation. God could have snapped his finger, but the way he is going to save the human race is enter into solidarity with the human race. And wherever there's a Godward movement of people who know that their life is broken, God will be there, and he's there. And in his stepping into the water himself, it's like he's gathering all the sins that have been confessed, mm-hmm. is now taking upon himself. So in that salvific story of Calvary, he truly can say he's taken the sin of mankind to the cross and crucified it, mm. and death is no more. So, in one sense, he has to be there, yeah. theologically. You know, not because he's sinful, right? not that he has original sin, but because of, of his whole work of salvation that's going to happen. I think that's a critical first point of that story that should never be missed by people kind of a thing. Supposedly, John the Baptist came out of the Essene community, one of four different kind of sects within Judaism at that time, and they were had a lot of water rituals, ablution rituals, washing clean rituals. And so it kind of made sense that John the Baptist is connected to the River Jordan Hmm. and the waters and kind of promoted. But he himself will always say, you know, my baptism is only for repentance, but there's one coming greater who's going to be water and the Spirit. Mm -hmm. There's something else going on here. This isn't the same baptism that we know as full-fledged Christians, original sin and all that. That's a theological development that happens after and because of and but it does lead to the question and i think that's one of the great things about that story he needs to be there i like that uh that point that uh, what i'm drawing out of what you're saying is that like there's nowhere so destitute that we can be that jesus isn't there with us right he enters into really the midst of that the, the sin that that the death that is that symbolized that's brought about through baptism and that he enters in and into that we're, we're, he's right there with us i think of you know the classic um poem that so many people have on their walls of the footprints, right? Where it talks about how there are two people walking on the beach and you have two sets of footprints. And, um, and then you see someone's speaking to the Lord and they're saying, well, you know, I came to this rocky period where all of a sudden there was just one set of footprints, this difficult time. And it seems like you left me, Lord. And, you know, why did you leave me? Where, where did you go? He said, that, those are the times I was carrying you. You know, and it, it just, that's that's kind of what I'm reminded of as you're talking about that. Like, Jesus needed to be there so that we wouldn't be alone in the midst of that, right? right. Well, and he even tells John the Baptist in Matthew's Gospel in that story, which is this year's, 
uh, John protests. He's this only gospel has Jesus. Pro, uh, John, John, pro, I shouldn't be baptizing mm. you. You should be. I, you should be baptizing. And Jesus, not for now, so that we may fulfill all righteousness. Mm-hmm. So now you're seeing the plan of the Father beginning to unfold because this will now begin His public ministry. And so you know when you think about when Jesus does get baptized, as the story is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John doesn't have the baptism of Jesus. It's mm-hmm. they, they note John baptized. John the Baptist baptizing, but Jesus, and there's a reason for that in John's gospel. But, you know, when Jesus goes in in the Synoptic Gospels, one of the first things that happens is that the heavens open when he comes out of the water. And that whole story is, you know, that heaven has been closed since the fall of our first parents Mm -hmm. in the Garden of Paradise when God put that angel in front of the tree of life that to guard them so they wouldn't eat of that in a broken condition and live forever broken. Mm -hmm. And that gets now taken away. Now heaven's going to be unlocked for the first time in the history of humanity. A theological point, a point of belief that that's also what's happening here. This plan, the plan of righteousness that Jesus says, ask the Baptist, we need to do this for all righteousness. This plan now, that's the one thing, that's the end game. Heaven shall be open to the human race now for the first time since the fall of humanity. Mm. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden the dove comes. And I've always kind of liked the... Uh, different kinds of uh, reflections on, on the dove. One I've always kind of liked the best is that uh, in Genesis 8, the story of Noah, after the flood, you know, he sends out the raven, and then he sends out at the camp landing place. So he sends out a dove, and the dove comes back because there's no place to land. Waits seven days, sends him out again, the dove, and dove comes back with the olive branch. And then it says he lets him go again, and he doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. Until now, hmm. that dove they brought back the old branch of peace and reconciliation to the human race. You know that's what that's what the plan is about. This reconciling love that's coming in, and so now the dove comes back. Obviously, the Holy Spirit uh, and settles upon this one who is being baptized, who's fulfilling the plan of righteousness that has God has in His mind from the beginning of the fall. And uh, I thought, oh, that's a that's a great gift. Yeah. But it's also symbolizing, we always note it, as the, as the Holy Spirit. And so you think about that that particular sign. That's another thing that's going mm-hmm. on in this story. And then the last thing that is narrated in this story is the voice, you know, uh, this is my beloved son. Now, that's interesting also in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, there's a story of the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. And all this one declares is, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. In the transfiguration story, a lot of this is repeated mm-hmm. But it also says, listen to him. Mm-hmm. And because those stories of the transfiguration in the public ministry of Jesus is after he makes his first announcement mm-hmm. that he's got to go to Jerusalem, be crucified and die. And that just kind of upsets all the disciples. What? No, 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 that's wrong, Lord. You don't do that. You know, Peter resists. And Matthew's gone. And he says, no, that's what needs to be done. And then Jesus takes him to the mount so they can kind of once again re-get, re-instituted to the plan that's going on here. And they see the transfiguration, and they don't want to leave it because it's so great. Yeah. But the voice that comes there says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Mm-hmm. This plan is going to happen through basically suffering. And that's why in the baptism story, I'm pleased with him. Why is he pleased, that voice that comes? Because he's basically fulfilling what Isaiah talked about, the suffering servant. This lamb is going to be led to the slaughter, not crying out, not wailing, and as the as the uh, that suffering suffering song said this morning was uh, in the mass that we celebrated, 
He will not break any bruised reed. He will not quench any smoldering wick. Wherever there's a spirit of life, any kind of sign of life, this one who comes will not crush it, break it, or demolish mm. it. Wow. Amen. Wow. That's that's rich and profound. We are, <laughs> we're going to have to take a quick break while we just digest that. And then we'll come back and kind of unpack it a little bit more. So thank you, Father. But stay with us. We're going to be uh, back with more Real Presence Live right after we take a breath. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Belief in the Personal God. This saying, I believe, is a conscious act of the self, an act in which the will and the understanding, the teaching and the guidance I have been given are all cooperatively involved. This act comprehends the trusting or, if you like, reaching out, transcending our own limits, turning toward God. And this act is not just a matter of relating to some higher power or other, but to the God who knows me and who speaks to me. In that sense, he is someone who can speak and who can listen. That, I think, is what is essential about God. Nature can be marvelous. The starry heaven is stupendous. But my reaction to that remains no more than an impersonal wonder because that, in the end, means that I am myself no more than a tiny part of an enormous machine. The real God, however, is more than that. He is not just nature, but the one who came before it and who sustains it. And the whole of God, so faith tells us, is the act of relating. That is what we mean when we say that he is a trinity, that he is threefold. Because he is in himself a complex of relationships, he can also make other beings who are grounded in relationships and who may relate to him because he has related them to himself. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Janine Vitson. I'm Brad Gray. And we are having a wonderful conversation uh, with Father James Ermer from the Diocese of Fargo about the baptism of the Lord. And boy, when you think of God's divine plan and Jesus's humility and humbleness and obedience to that divine plan, uh, it just, it's just a really, it leaves you speechless, Father. (laughs) It really does. Uh, I have to say, Father, you know, you mentioned in the last segment about this uh, with Noah, the dove going out and then not returning, you know, first of all... The then, third time. The, the third time, right? <laughs> so it was a raven, and there's a dove that comes back with the Twice, olive branch. Right? What goes up then, comes back. And it goes out back. and it doesn't come back. And it's a sign of kind of like this, you know, there had been this destruction from the flood, right? And and now there's, uh, for Noah and his family, it's a sign of hope that there's a new life ahead, that, that there's, it's got this promise that the dove hasn't returned. 
But then you have Jesus being baptized and the, the heavens open and the dove descends. And it just reminded me of like, um, like the, in 1 Peter 3, uh, verse 20 and 21, it says, he's talking about how Jesus had descended down to preach to the spirits in prison, those that had died, and it said, who had once been disobedient while God patiently waited. This is verse 20. Who had once been disobedient while God patiently waited in the days of Noah, building the, the ark, uh, during the building of the ark, in which a few persons, eight in all, were saved through water. This prefigured baptism, which saves you now, is not a removal of dirt from the body, but an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone to heaven. Like, it's uh, this, just, this profound wisdom of God that's like, I've, I'm doing this thing thousands and thousands of years ago that are, are gonna, it's going to look forward to an event that I'm going to fulfill so magnificently, so grandly, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it all together to show, like, this is what I've been about, is to save you. Um, I, I don't know. I was just so moved by what you were sharing there. Well, you know, and we shouldn't forget when that dove came back the second time, he came back with an olive branch, mm, right. which was even the United Nations used that, I believe, as a symbol of who they are, that it's about peace and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of a real deep scriptural imagery of what it is about. God's plan is not to, uh, particularly directed to a chosen people unless we understand the human race as the chosen people. Mm. Right. In that sense, it's for all of humanity to take in this mystery and be taken up by this mystery. You know, when when uh, the father, the voice comes down and says, this is my beloved son, we also should be directed back to probably Genesis 22 when Abraham, after mm. waiting a long, long life to get a son, and he finally gets Isaac, and he feels he might because that would be a true sacrifice, the thing he most loved to give it up. The Lord, he was willing to do that. And uh, that's unbelievable when you think of that yeah, kind of faith. No that would be, would, did he believe that he might get another son? I mean, yeah. what, what, how does Abraham even think of doing that? You know, and then God intervenes and says, no, I'm not into child sacrifice. I see how much devotion you have to your beloved son. Hmm. And interesting, now the father sends his beloved son. Yes. Yeah. the regime. That's the only one that can redeem the human race. It's not a human thing for humans right. to redeem. Mm-hmm. It's a divine, only, only a divine plan can save. Right. Not even, even the great gift of Abraham's faith is enough to save you. But, but God could. Mm-hmm. And I think the last point that we shouldn't forget always in this baptism story, because it's not necessarily narrated, it typically stops after, you know, the Father's voice. Mm. But the very next thing is that this spirit... It's, it's interesting what's at the baptism of the Lord. That's why we baptize in the Trinity. The Son is there being baptized. The Father voice speaks, and the Spirit comes like the dove. So it's a Trinitarian mm-hmm. reality present there, and that's why when Jesus ascends in Matthew's Gospel, says, go forth, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That was what present, was present at his own baptism, mm. and that's the baptism now that carries on to us who are born into the Lord. But the, the, the point after that is that in all Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the very next thing that happens is now begins the public ministry, and it's the temptation story. It's the Ash Wednesday going out for 40 days in the desert, confronting the prince of darkness and the, the evil one, and coming back victorious out of that desert, that 40-year kind of exile that took a generation for the people of Israel to be born into a people of 40 years. He goes 40 days and he begins his public ministry of now the redeeming plan of the Father. So I think that's also another point that's often missed in that. The very next story is always going out into mm. the desert, mm. being formed anew, not in 40 years, but 40 days, uh, and that whole idea of 40 being representing kind of a lifetime. Mm. 
Oh. It takes a lifetime to be formed into the people of God. That's, I mean, just so rich. I, uh, I, I was struck. I know Pope Benedict, who we just passed passed on, um, in his, you know, he had the series of books, Jesus of Nazareth, and I think it was the first one where he talks about the baptism of mm-hmm. the Lord. And he talks about how, you know, there's an element of Jesus entering into the water, being baptized. Because in that event, he's almost transforming the waters right. so that we can enter into that too. Like he's, right. he's making this sacrament possible for us to enter into. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I, I know I, and I think most of the people I know, we sometimes, we often neglect and forget about the gift of baptism that I've received and the graces that I have as a result of that sonship that I've entered into. And I, it seems to me like this is a, a summons too to actually consciously and intentionally both live out my baptism and, and that kind of death and resurrection that I've experienced in Jesus, but also to call upon the graces of my baptism, right? What, what, what would you say, Father? And Well, I kind of like that. That's very true because on New Year's Day, I always like to kind of remind people, this is the day we make resolutions. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and uh, or I'm going to do things on my bucket list. But I said, that might be a great time to review some of the great promises we've made. Mm. And the ones in baptism, you know, for parents, listen, before our child is baptized, three times the church asks, are you sure you want to do this? Because there's a lot of implications in this is mm. the idea, you know. You come to ask your child to be baptized. Are you accepting the will to raise him to the practice of the faith? And then when you come up to the baptismal font, okay, if you do, I want you to renew your own baptismal promises. And then are you sure you want this baby baptized? Three times. Mm. And so you go through these promises. The priest could go through that, the, the promises they made at their ordination, confirmation promises, marriage promises. That's a good time for everyone to sort of go back and review these uh, yes. things that happened that we said we were going to do. And yes. that's why, you know, the first commandment is keeping promises to God. That's where you can violate the first commandment. Mm-hmm. If you've done all you can to raise your children in the practice of faith, you know, knowing God, who loving God and loving neighbor, uh, we need to rethink that. I mean, we need to re-meditate and, and think, well, right. maybe we've got some work to do yet. <laughs> right. And we all have work to do. That's yeah, so true. Exactly. Uh, but how beautiful it is that through our baptism, we were called to be priest, prophet, and king. Can, oh, we are out of time almost. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, I, was thinking, so... I was just thinking how, like, much like the Christmas season that's just gone too fast, this this conversation about the baptism of the Lord has just, it was seemed like it was about 35 seconds long. I don't know. It's just, uh, I want to thank you, Father, for really kind of helping to invite us into what God has been doing here. You know, certainly theologically, scripturally, but personally, individually, in us too, like wow, the call, the summons uh, to live that out uh, vigorously and vibrantly. Uh, and, and to constantly be renewing our baptism. Yeah. You know, there's prayers that uh, you'll lead as priests, you know, mm-hmm. calling us to renew our baptism call. And and that is a great time of year to yeah, do that. Absolutely. Uh, Christmas is over today, the baptism of the Lord, the feast today. Let's, uh, let's do this year yeah. of 2023 right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Father. We really appreciate you being on with us this morning. You're welcome. All right. We do have to throw it on the other side of the glass now. On the Next Door Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Father Richard Kunst and Cindy Jennings are your hosts, coming to you live from Duluth, Minnesota. They'll be speaking with Kevin O'Neill about Pope Benedict's Theology of Covenant, and get your questions ready for Straight Talk with Father Kunst. All this and more is coming on the Next Real Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. Sounds fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm very curious about the Benedict's Covenantal Theology, or Theology of the Covenant, or 
I'm sorry, what you said, Trissa? <laughs> Theology of Covenant. Theology of Covenant. I love it. I love it. Well, Father, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's such a joy uh, to to be here and to have these conversations about how the Lord God is at work for us and in us and, and calling us forward. Um, and again, I, I want to thank you for your priesthood that's been focused on on inviting people into that very reality. So, um, we just have a little over a minute and a half. Any any final thoughts that you want to offer, Father, before we head out for the day? <laughs> well, no, I, I, Janine, I thought you're right. Now we step off into the public ministry as Jesus does, to taking this message of salvation to the world, and obviously a world that maybe doesn't know it needs this message, but it does have the answers to many of, of all of life's great questions and the ultimate kinds of things. So we hopefully will do our public ministry well in bearing that witness to the world. Amen. Amen, Amen to that. Father, would you lead us in a closing prayer? Almighty God and Father, as we gather this morning uh, on this baptism of the Lord, may we be led into our own baptismal promises more deeply and more richly fulfill that what you have asked of us, that what we do will always sanctify your people and give glory to your name. We ask and pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, man. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for being with us this morning. It's just been, um, it's been a real blessing. It has it's, been. I mean, this Christmas has been filled with graces. This uh, this morning has been a real blessing, and I, I just want to give glory and, and praise and thanks to God for the gift of my baptism and for the ways that He manifests Himself in each Himself in each one of us through the baptism that that we get to encounter Him as we encounter one another. Yeah. Um, and I just. Uh, I want to assure everyone of, of our prayers for for all of us, for the, the entire body of Christ, that we can be faithful um, to the call that we've received in our baptism, that God yeah. can be glorified. And just to find the dignity of every human person, they were all given to us by God. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a purpose for each and every one of us, and we all have a soul that needs to be nurtured and grown, and we need to be that light. God bless you all, and a happy, merry, last day of Christmas. Amen. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.